We just out here skating, you know, every day we do so. Let's fucking sir! Let's go! We in this bitch. I really didn't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> this is modern day hippie shit. Two, one, we're live. What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of MBH TV. Coming back at you live in effect. We got Andre here, you know, as always. We got a special guest for y'all. You know, mm -hmm. I I believe that nobody can introduce themselves better than themselves. So I'm gonna go ahead and let him take the floor for y'all. I'm gonna just give y'all like a little background. He played D1 sports, and that's all I'm gonna say. Go ahead and take it away. Mm -hmm. All right, what's up, everybody? My name is Nosh. Uh, as you heard from Dewey right here, played D1 sports, but that's that's really the smallest part to it. You do so much more than that. And um, yeah. I like being identified as like a division one player. Uh, but I'm not from Florida. Um, pretty, pretty much focus on personal finances and stock market and basically trying to help other people in my community and all that stuff, uh, get their money right and get their personal finances in, in order. Do you want to go to the NFL or is that like not an option? Nah, that's to be real with you. I'm I'm using sports as more of like a stage to kind of get to my next destination. I guess you could say, yeah. As far as networking and them paying for college and all that stuff. Nice. What yeah. was like, the recruiting process like as a as a football prospect in high school? Ah, oh, that I was insane. Um, especially for like if, if you're a really good division football player, like Division One player, like high caliber. Uh, for me, I was like one of the best linemen in my state, and um, I got all state honors and all that stuff, all county honors and um, all that whatnot. And then it was kind of crazy because every single day you'll have like at least three to four coaches from the Division Division One programs coming in to see you, and like it, at some point in time, you can get kind of overwhelming because everyone's just kind of trying to fill your head with like reasons why you should probably go join their school and their program. And so it's kind of like it's kind of hard to kind of see who really wants the best for you. Yeah, I, I can definitely relate to that. I t we talked about this a little off camera, but uh, when I used to hoop, like, it would always just be people in your ear, and it can definitely get overwhelming. And that's not even just with sports. That's like with anything. If don't, don't ever try and put too much pressure on yourself, even if you got a lot of attention coming to you or whatever, because you can learn to overwhelm yourself when it's not necessary. Yeah, yeah, me too. I, I definitely... I get overwhelmed with college offers all the time still, you know, for, you know, basketball and uh, soccer and all those sports that I play. So I definitely relate to that. But I had a question for you. Um, do you feel like it's like it's super hard to balance like academics and well, did you guys even have a season or no? Yeah, we had a season last year. Um, we ended up playing a condensed season. We only had like four games, but we really, we really only played about two or three of those games due to COVID reasons. Like so one or two of those games got canceled. So is it is it hard to balance or no? Like the academics and 
Uh, personally, I, I, I would just say just because of the way school was kind of set up last year, I think it was probably one of the easiest semesters of college that anyone would realistically have. You know, there was other challenges that, you know, you would face in a normal semester, but the, the whole part of college being online just kind of made, it kind of took away some of the stress that's like, that's part of going to college, you know, like having to sit inside a lecture hall and kind of being overwhelmed, like with all those people looking at you and like you having to focus in, like, you know, there's a hundred people in the class. So I think last year was definitely easier to manage. And when you're a division one athlete, the main reason why I came to Lehigh, I didn't, I didn't go to like a, a huge FBS program is because they care more about academics here. So it's like, if your academics aren't up to par, they're going to let you know that and they're going to cut you off the team or you're going to get suspended or whatnot. Whereas if you go to like a bigger football program, you know, I, I had some offers from FIU, Auburn, Syracuse, Pitt, and some other schools like that. And like those schools, I know for sure if I went there, it would look nice on my, on my record or whatever, not to go play football. But as far as the school part, I know, I know I'll be slacking on that part. So I just kind of chose to go to Lehigh, get the best business degree and then use more of my brain to my, to my, uh, I guess you say, advantage compared to them using me. That's how, how is it balancing being a college athlete and all that comes with as far as the responsibility you have to the coaches, to the team, to the school? And how is it balancing that with, you know, the stardom that it comes being a big time athlete? Uh, well, in my humble opinion, I don't think I'm really a big time athlete. I'm coming into it like I, I was one of the highest recruits coming into it. But even when you get here, you're kind of like leveled back down because it's like you have to earn everything. Even if you're the best player coming in, you still have to go against the best player who, who's already here. So the overall thing is you kind of get kind of caught up in the in the bigger picture, I guess you could say, like, you don't really see yourself, you know, there's, there's, there's certain chances for like individuals to shine and whatnot, you, you get different individual awards, but it's more about like the team. And like, I think that's what kind of drives everyone to, to just stay humble. Cause it's not really about what you do. Cause like your uh, individual is not going to win a game, you know, even though you can have a, a, a huge game when you play or whatever, but like they got to think about how the football team did in general. Like if, if the quarterback sucks, you know, as that's gonna, they're gonna be like, all right, your quarterback sucks, but the football team is still good. So it's yeah. like the whole team overall is good. It's not, they're not gonna hate on you, but if to you're me, trying to individualize it more, it's gonna, it's gonna be too much pressure on you. To me, that's like one of the scariest things about team sports. Like, no matter how good you are individually, you always gotta count on somebody else to like carry their part. Like, I know, like in high school, like I was like, I was decent. And we had like some good individual players, but as a team, we were just so trash. And I don't know what it was, but it's just like, it made me like, it made me feel like my own future, I guess, isn't really in my own hands because in order to get recognized by different schools or by colleges, in a sense, your, your team has to be decent, has to be kind of good. In order to like reach a level of popularity, you can't just be losing every single game because it just, it makes you look bad. So like, Tommy, this is a question for you. Since now you do an individual sport, how does how do you feel like that compares to a team sport? Well, in basketball for me, it was a little different because basketball more than football, you can be a guy and carry a team. Like you can be that guy. And if you're good enough, y'all can win, you know. Y'all look at Troy bro, Brown. Bro, LeBron, like you could be really good, but it's gonna be a team out there that's gonna be better. 
Yeah, definitely. The team will always beat the individual, definitely. But, you know, now that I'm playing or I'm skating and, like, that's not really even – you don't really compete in that unless you're going to competitions or contests or whatever. I would say that it's good and bad because the press, the outside pressure got taken from me, but so much more of my own pressure got put on me because – if you aren't pressuring yourself, then you can get real stagnant really easy and get real comfortable with where you're at. Yeah, one thing that I noticed that like that I, that I couldn't do with skateboarding, it was really hard to push myself with skateboarding because since it's such like since skills and talent is so subjective in the sport and like there's really no I mean there's really no definitive way to be the best at it you don't really find competition in it. But now that I'm doing fighting and I see people next to me that are way better than me and I see pros in the gym, I'm like, that kind of motivates me to be better rather than having to rely on my own, like my own discipline or inner desire to get better, if that makes sense. Yeah, and I think like, it's kind of good that all these things came in my life at the same time, as far as working out, you know, skating just whatever I'm doing right now because it's teaching me a lot that growth is a slow slow process yeah you gotta like really be working it's not just gonna come overnight it's not gonna happen in a month and two months unless you working continuously and you really pushing yourself to the limits Mm -hmm. and you can really just come to love that end up end up loving that entire process like People want to look at the end result and only love the end result. But the people who got that end result, they had to fall in love with the process to even get there. There's no way you'll be able to get to that end result without liking the process. Facts. What what position do you play? Uh, for football team, I play left tackle. When I used to play basketball, I used to play small forward. Wait, where's the left tackle? I'm, I'm sorry. Is there, are they on offense or defense? That's offense. It's offensive line. <laughs> Wait, are you next to the center? Like right next to him? I'm like two two spots away from the center to the left. Well, it's okay. I know you got the like you got the the center, then you got the tackles, and then you got the guards, and then who's next nah, to it's like it's like you got this you got the center uh-huh. in the middle. You got the left guard, right guard, and you got the right tackle, left tackle. So the, the two on the outside are the are the tackles. These uh-huh. two tackles, these two are guards. And they guard the quarterback, right? And then, nah. And then the tight end is is right next to them, or there's another guy. Sometimes, yeah, it depends. It depends, but there's it, always going to be seven on, on the line. It just depends what what they're running. Bro, I hate watching football. I'm being honest with you. You say you hate watching football? Yeah. Do you enjoy watching it? I don't even blame you. Like I, I enjoy watching football. I just the only thing I don't enjoy about it is the commercials. The commercials, they they they, they do their best to fit in as many commercials as they possibly can. Yeah, and the commercials are like are crazy nowadays. I remember Tommy. Remember I told you like the first time I watched commercials in months, I saw like a transgender commercial on TikTok. Which yeah, now they're doing bro, that. Bro, like yeah, like and you know like disclaimer. I feel like it's cool that. Y'all want to be inclusive and shit and all that. But, like, I was on fucking Hulu, and there was an Indeed commercial came on. It was like a trans. I was just like, 
yo, I'm just trying to watch Naruto. Like, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> Why are you forcing this down my throat? For real. That's really what it's become to, like, whether it's the government, the media, just big corporations, they're force-feeding all these ideologies down your throat. And then if you have anything to say about it, it's like you're you're the enemy. Yeah, pretty much. How do you feel about cancel culture? Cancel culture. I don't, I don't know. The, the whole cancel culture thing, I feel like people who say that stuff, they're not really like truly aware of what's going on because you really can't cancel culture. You feel me? I feel like instead of canceling, you should just talk more about it and like, because you're not going to, all right, get rid of it. No one's going to be like, all right, they say cancel culture. Gosh darn it, I'm going to stop doing this. <laughs> it's it's going to be like, all right, instead of canceling the culture, you guys just like, hold people more accountable you know it's like let them know because like you you just saying that that's canceled that's not going to really have any effects on what people on people's actions for like on a day-to-day basis like but if you're constantly holding them accountable and like you know you, you you go through the right provisions to get people to held accountable for their for their actions or whatever the hell they say then i think you know that the whole cancel culture quote-unquote will be more progressed towards the direction of like making people learn more about what they're trying to cancel so they can you know stop doing what's wrong and yeah like my my whole problem with cancel culture is one like it's so selective and two it's so temporary like somebody will get canceled for maybe 10 15 days and then get a million dollar deal the next week those are cats so it's like Doja Cat got canceled she came right back yeah all of them got like so many people have gotten canceled but never really got canceled. Their name was just in the fucking papers for a couple of weeks. And they probably made more money because once you're at a certain level of fame, no publicity is bad publicity. Facts. And it's like, they pick and choose who they want to cancel. Like they'll cancel somebody on the right, for instance. But then Hunter Biden, his this whole story just broke about this motherfucker saying the N-word and shit and all these text messages. So it's like, who, like <laughs> I'm just tired of the BS, honestly. <laughs> Cancel who the fuck y'all want. If y'all gonna cancel me, just keep it, just make it a straight line and cancel everybody that crosses the fucking line. Don't pick and choose who you're gonna fucking cancel based on who they represent politically. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of like the whole that's that's just a society that we live in as a whole. Cause it's like people don't really have an issue with someone as long as it's someone that they reflect with, like, or they they feel they they can resonate with like. If it's your brother saying some crazy fucked up things or messed up things, you know, you're going to be like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All that. Like, you know, you, you rocking behind him, but you hear somebody else saying the same crazy, crazy lines. You'd be like, yeah, this, this man's off his rocker. He, yeah, you, you really tripping. I, I need to put you in a, in a crazy person in song because you, you tripping right now, buddy. So it's like, that's just, that's just the, the, the two, two sides of the coin. I feel like this always being played in America. And I feel like, in American culture, it's, it's always turned back into more about more of not necessarily culture, but more of like the outside race of how you look, like your the way you look on the outside, more of a color, not really about your your, your race. No, no one really cares yeah. if you're African, suburban. You can you can be French and still get and still get made fun of just because you're black. So I feel like it's not really about your culture; it's more about like just literally your skin tone, just because like you're black. That's just it. Or you light skin. That's just it. You know. And what I try and tell people that always preach about like white supremacy and white privilege and all that is like by you saying that because I and I really thought about it because I was in a meeting right 
And the advisor, and I know like the advisor, he's just trying to like be a good person. But something he said is just like fucking like it like damn near turned the switch in my head because he was like, yeah, I'm trying to use my uh, privilege to, you know, affect make a change or whatever. And I was like, damn, it's really crazy in a world that that we live in a world where motherfuckers really walk around thinking that they're more privileged than other people. And like they may be in this societal setting because of all this bullshit that's going on politically and whatever, just society and how people feel towards each other. But I was just I just thought it was crazy that like there's really a group of people who either feel as if they are or may actually be more privileged than other people. And then I was like, when people like always like to talk about this, how the white supremacy and all that shit, you're just making it the reality. Because if we just stop talking about it completely, then eventually it would stop be talking about. It wouldn't even be thought about no more. But you by you always reiterating that fact. Nah, I and, can't I can't agree with that one. I feel like with what you're saying, it couldn't make sense if the proper information was taught, you know, but like the the whole point of trying to ignore it at this point can't work because they're ignoring things and still spitting out pure blasphemous BS, you know. So it's, it's not like, even about ignoring it though. It's about looking at the situation, accepting that that's that's what people think the reality is, and then just See, I don't see people would be like America is a white supremacist nation, which it may be. It It may be. It's a white man's world. But if if you accept that as your reality, subliminally, you're gonna feel like you can't do anything as a black man. That's not. I don't think that's the point. I think there's plenty of black people at this point in in stage in time that's been already established that you can see. It's like it's a white man's world. You just have to know how to kind of move around with it, which is kind of like why you see a lot of people. Black people, quote unquote, get whitewashed, quote unquote, you know, whitewashed. And people say that, they say like, oh, you're moving like a white person. But it's not necessarily you're moving like a white person. You're just moving like a smart, business-minded person who, you know, who's trying to make sure he's doing everything right by him so he can get his whatever actions or motives that he has in the works so he can get that passed. So how can we say it's the white man's world then? It is the white man's world. Anybody can do it. How? If anyone if anyone wants to do it, you have to play according to their rules. You see what happened to every little black culture, every black anything of of of, of significance over the years, centuries that's tried to accumulate any yeah. type of growth. Like black Wall shut down. Black Wall Street. You do know? you think that could would happen today though? If if yeah. the Black Wall Street was created, that would happen. A thousand percent. I don't. I have a hard time. I think. I think it would happen in today's society. It's just it would the the way that they would do it would be like so subtle. You would not. You would. You wouldn't get it because it's like the the thing about these different uh, mindsets and cultures is like you have people who who show they're about the game and you have people who are quietly about the game and just work and work all the strings in the background. So in the face when they're showing face to public. They could shake hands with everyone they want and they could have their own agendas behind the scenes because they have the kind of funds to back that up. There's no point of them going out there and, and, and messing up their public face for whatever motives or agenda that they have trying to work on, you know, so that they could go out there and smile in your face, shake all your hands, kiss your ass all you want. And then be the same person who's sending a hit after you 
or send or hiring people who to to bring your business down. And that's they, facts. And that's just how it works. It's, and that's the white man's game. That's that's what I'm trying to tell you. Like it's like the black man who's gonna try to come to your action. The black man will come to your actual business establishment with a gun and try to shoot that bitch up for God knows what. And you know, try to lay the law, law down while the white man will be like, you know what? You got it. You wanna do that? You got it. I'm gonna get you in the long end. I'm gonna get you the smart way, the legal way. And that way it's more binding because they have this, the government behind them backing them up. So it's like, it really can't go wrong. Uh, Where do you- I don't know if I agree with that. Cause I feel like there's, there's backwards people on both sides. I don't think there, I think there's black people, there's a ton of black people that have backdoored other black people. And there's a ton of white people that have backdoored other white people. So I don't think you can say it's a white man's game if both sides are playing it. Like if, when you think about slavery, it's a ton of black people that has slaves. That doesn't mean it's a white, it's not a white man's game if black people are involved with it. I agree with that. I, I, I see where you're coming with that, but you have to understand, even if you try to think of think about it like this because there's other players mm-hmm. that aren't white playing it, you still have to understand it's a white man's game because the only reason you're acting that way or you the rules is because it's, it's, yeah. it's set up by a, a white man. So you have to, whether you want to admit it or not, you're still playing at his end. It, I, I get where you're coming from. If that, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah, yeah. That's that's have to because there's other ways. Like, for example, I was watching this documentary and this slave, he was trusted by his by his slave owner enough. So when the slave owner died, he sold him his house or whatever. So he sold him like a piece of land. And instead of taking that land and making it a place where people weren't slaves or people could hang out or whatever, he made the slaves work and, and he kept them as slaves as if he was a slave master. And he had the choice to make that either a free space or not take that opportunity at all. So I don't think it's a white man's game. I think it's just a dirty man's game. It just so happens that a lot of white people run it. Bart, but where did he learn that from, though? That's that's, that's what I'm saying. Where where, where did he learn that from, though? Like, you got to go back to the origins of even that. Like, even if if you want to take it back to, like, the original slave owners and whatever like that who... Because they were black, there was black people. But so, he also so, learned the struggle yeah. from other black people, though, from other black people. So he learned from both sides. He chose the side, and he chose to keep those people as slaves. Because that's the game. That's that's that's, that's, that's my whole point. He, the reason why he chose to keep it like that is because he knew if he if he if he just relinquish all these slaves, he's gonna have an empty farm with no one to work on. So he has to keep the model that that he that's already been established into his mind. He has to keep that model running because that's the only way of life that he sees success in. So he has to keep those slaves in line and he has to keep them as slaves because he, in his mind, he thinks that even if they, if, if we release them, who's going to do the, the work? No one's going to want to be motivated to do jobs, to do work around the, the farm. So it's like you have to keep them in check, so, which is the whole, it's, it's, it's like a whole blueprint of the game yeah. that's been like printed out. And then it's like you said, there's different players who's using the blueprints. But the blueprints was created by our original game master, which is where I'm coming from with the whole like white man's game. If that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, that makes a lot of sense, and I agree with a lot of the stuff you said. But I think it's also important to note that like not all black people before this game, because I'm how I'm thinking of it is like the game is society and money and business. That's the game. Success, so wherever with the create, but success. At least I say money because 
now success is measured by how much money and how much wealth you've accumulated. Yeah. So that's why I say the game is money. When money was created, that's the game. And I don't know who necessarily created that, you know, idea, whether it came from bartering and somebody just took that and remixed it or whatever. But all I'm saying is I think that people were doing other people dirty before that game was created. And yeah, that game probably amplified it by a million, but I think that there was definitely dirty players per se or dirty people before the creation of that game. Facts. I just think it's just more a more sophisticated, yeah. established way of just doing because it. it's like you do this, here's the set of rules to the game, you do this and pretty much X amount of time you'll see success type shit or like, you know, so it's like in in you you just see it in, in different facets of life because it's like it's 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 really done on, on all different kinds of levels and like like you said it's, there's different players doing it so you might not think of it as a white man game you just might call it like this the sad life of of humans because like people just backstab each other and like ever since going back to the bible where if, if you if you're religious or not religious just going back into oldest documents of written time people have been doing each other's file for as long as it's been documented so it's like you know it's Nothing's none, none really changed. I, I think, it, if anything, it's more human nature to do someone dirty than it is anything. Yeah, facts. I, I can agree with that. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you, you talked about it a little bit early, but you said you're from Florida. How is How was it growing up there as a kid? Hot as hell. <laughs> Hot as hell. And, like, over the years, you know, it, it, <laughs> I, I was fortunate enough, like, to the point where I was able to play on like a, a top basketball team, an AAU program. So I, I got a chance to kind of travel out and see different states and whatever. But to be real with you, Florida is like, it's, it's an amazing state to live in, but it really is hot as hell. And I, I think that, that kind of works to our favor because year round, athletes are just pretty much getting after it. It really is nothing else to do other than just like work out and just be outside to be ready because like you, you can be inside the house and just trust me there's plenty of kids who stay in Florida who's inside the house but I just feel like if your peoples are actually from Florida like they're gonna put you in some type of PE football like some type of sport you can, kids kids in Florida play sports like especially, I, I, especially black kids but they, they find some way to play sports either you're doing that or, or you're you feel me you you do it. yeah yeah because <laughs> it's like I said you're gonna be outside regardless. Yeah, and like, but uh, that's kind of like how it is. I feel like in every like community where there's black people, like everybody tries to play sports. For them. You either yeah, like that's the only avenue we kind of see. A lot of times, like you either play sports or you kind of go off in that like wrong direction, or you play sports first and then you go off into the wrong direction. Yeah, because like, like you said variation if you're outside you're gonna get in some trouble and like you probably gonna be around other people they get in trouble and y'all just gonna form a little club a little gang a little whatever yeah i mean that's how that pretty much how it starts off i mean it's, it's pretty much a group of friends who who know they got each other's back and that that, that essentially becomes a gang <laughs> or like we used to play basketball together we used to hoop together and we just started hanging out or something like we played football yeah like people, and that's kind of like funny because, well, it's not funny, obviously, but from the outside looking in, people think that like these kids who are game bangers or whatever, they think they're just like thugs and like no good people or whatever. And they were just destined for this or whatever. 
And for some of them, that may be the case. They was just always bad. But for a lot of kids, especially ones that end up having to go to the street life, they was old athletes. They was just regular kids who was hanging out with their friends and they was loyal to their friends. Something that's, that's a virtue that some people want, loyalty. A lot of people look at that as a virtue. You look at frats and just sports teams, club teams, you're supposed to have your teammates back. You're supposed to always have your brother back if you look at frats. So whatever, that camaraderie, that loyalty piece is always something that's there. But when you put it in the gang frame of life, which is all a gang is, is a non-legal frat. Uh, it's all of a sudden a bad thing. Only bad people are a part of it. But they don't understand how easy it is to become a part of it, especially growing up somewhere like the places we grew up. And I know, like, all like every person that I know that's, like, a part of that life, I know them through basketball. Like, it's not a lot of them that I just met, like, through school or met through, like, just walking down the street. A lot of them were on my basketball team where I played against them multiple times when they were on a different team. So I definitely. Yeah. And like, it's funny because I would have look, look at a lot of some of the people that I knew that played basketball and stopped playing and just started gang banging. I would look at a lot of them like, bro, you're not even a gangster. Like you're a hooper. Like I would think yeah. that they're not like that because subliminally I know that they're not like that because I used to just play basketball with them a couple months ago, a couple of years ago. But um, that's why I like, I'm actually, you said what? I was gonna say, I'm actually like nervous, not nervous, but I'm like, I'm thinking about if I want to put my kids in sports. And I mean, obviously if they want to, like I'm not going to hold them back, but I don't know if I want to push them to take the sports route because I know what type of friends, that, I mean, what type of people I met and I know how easy it is to get carried away with the sports life. No, I, I feel like getting your kids involved in like sports will probably be like one of the will be one of the best things for them because like one it, it kind of shows them life early and kind of like exposes them to like the, the truths of life because I can tell you right now as a kid who's been to like I was fortunate enough to go to, to go to like private and public schools so I could I could tell you the night and day differences that I kind of just kind of like saw and like I would say a lot of those kids who were sheltered and didn't really get this, the chance to experience real life. Those are the kind of kids who are really setting them up to kind of like detonate when they do hit real life. Cause like, they're not prepared for that mentally to, to go out there and be like, oh, everything is not handed to me. I'm not saying that you would kiss your kid's ass or anything that's like, like hand them everything. But like most of these kids that I was seeing, there was like, you know, they, they were just getting pretty much everything handed to them. So I think they were, they're not really prepared for life because in life, you got to struggle by yourself to kind of yeah. come up. And even if you have your parents in your side or whatever, you're still going to have to face certain things that like, if you don't know how to treat people the right way, you're not going to have anyone in your corner to, to support you. So if you're just out here bad mouthing everybody saying whatever comes to your mind to people, like you're not going to be able to build networks and like have people even like you. And like in this world, I think that's that's an important thing to have people like you or and just establish networks because other than that, your business has been basically shot in whatever you're trying to do. Yeah, like Kanye said, relationships are the new currency. Yeah. Sports could because me personally, I was a super hot head when I played sports, but now I'm focused on networking. So and I know a ton of people who will mouth off at the coach, me being one of them, 
my friends being some of them. So do you feel like sports teach that or do you think it's a matter of discipline and it's a matter of authority that they must have? Because you, you can just throw your kids to sports, but if they're not being taught nothing, they're going to be the same person whether or not they're in sports or not. Yeah, I think that that kind of just goes back into like, do you trust who you're in, like who you who you're giving your kids to, like because if you think about it, your coach if you if if you have your kid commit to a, a sport, he's probably he or she is probably going to spend most of that time more time with that coach throughout the week than with you for the most part because right. if if you're going to work if if you're balancing a, a true a true life, that coach is probably going to be that that kid's father or like parent parent role type. Something like that is gonna is gonna resonate with them. So I think like if they're teaching your kids the wrong things, then you probably should pick it up on that pretty quickly just by the things they're coming back home telling you. And you kind of, if you don't resonate with what they're teaching, then you probably should never put in that program. And so it kind of goes back to the whole trust thing. It's like, do you know who you're giving this kid to, or are you just giving your kid to random to anybody? Like, or is this a program that you you've been into yourself? Type stuff. Like for me, my basketball program it's been around for about like 30 years. Like they, they started off in New York and then they worked down in South Florida and they, they've been there for the past like 20 years or so. And like, they pretty much established themselves as like, as basically the, the main grassroots team down in South Florida. So like most kids, no, no matter how old they get, parents graduate, they go to college, they have kids and they put their kids right back in the same program. So it's just kind of like a huge, family just keeps branching out and getting wider and wider and wider so I think it depends on where you put your kid yeah I, I can definitely agree with that because I learned a lot of things from basketball that I didn't think I would use later on in life that I find myself using a lot especially when interacting with other people because when you play basketball you subliminally just like learn so many things you learn how one teammate where you need to give him the ball in order for him to be the best he can be, if you're a point guard, just for instance. Or like how you got to talk to one teammate if you want him to get fired up versus you can't yell at one teammate because he's going to get in his feelings and he's not going to do shit for the rest of the time. So like that kind of teaches you when you go in the workforce, okay, I can get in this person, my this coworker's ass and he'll start doing his work versus I can't really get in this coworker's ass because they don't respond well to that. So I definitely did learn a lot of things from basketball and just like being around a lot of people. As far as like whether I want to put my kids in that situation or not, I feel like as a parent, it's important to have a balance between sheltering your kids and exposing them to the harsh realities of life. And you need to, it needs to be an uneven balance that it's more weighted towards the, you're exposing them to the harsh realities of life. Because whether you're there or not, at the end of the day, your child hopefully will have to navigate their way through this world without you because nobody wants to outlive their child. So if you leave this earth without exposing them to those harsh realities, you haven't prepared them for life. So I think like sports is a great and safe way to do that while keeping your child active. Um. What what type of you said you played uh basketball growing up? What what type of tournaments and leagues did you play in? Because I played um, in NYBL. Yeah, we played 
Growing up, we played in the NYBL, and we would do like some Adidas sponsor. Like we, we would do sponsor tournaments, but it wouldn't be like the because you know how the, the the NYBL schedule was. You feel me? Like, yeah, we, we would have It'd be like four. Yeah, we, locations for, for the it would like be like Washington. There'll be one in Washington, one Maryland, one in Maryland, yeah. and like all, all types of Georgia, all types of different things. You feel me? So it's like they would have different sessions and stuff. But every now and then they would have dead periods, and then in between those dead periods, that's tournament. That's when we would have the tournaments and stuff like that with like the Adidas, the big Adidas gauntlet tournaments, and like some of these different Nike. But the, the only reason we was, we were showing up in some of these tournaments is because it's like they were invite only, and like we were good enough like to be top of to be top of our state, so they we had to get an invite. But other than that, it, it really wasn't due to our shoe. We had no yeah. shoe deals or anything like that, which really the main reason why my my team kind of fell out and like yeah that's like one thing that I didn't like that sports did for me is because at a young age I was thrust into like this stardom type of like role at least in my community where a lot of people looked at me as this guy as the guy as you know I'm Tommy I was known on a first name basis as like Tommy the basketball player that was like literally my identity and then I played I'm like 13, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old at this time. I'm flying literally all across the country to play basketball games. So you start to literally think that you're that dude in the world when in reality, you're just another person in the world. You just happen to play a sport, right? So then in high school, it's the same thing. All the athletes, they get all the fan, all the starter, all whatever. And now like coming out of that, now that I just, I'm pretty much just a regular human being in society it's kind of weird navigating yourself through it because a lot of people used to look at you as Tommy the basketball player right and now they just see me as Tommy and when they like necessarily treat me a different way or I don't get the reaction that I'm used to getting I'm surprised but I got in the back of my head I'm, I remember that I'm Tommy I've been the same motherfucker the whole time but to them I was just, I was a basketball player and now I'm just a regular ass motherfucker. That's I I think that's kind of like <laughs> that, that that's that, that's kind of like one of the huge shifts that a lot of athletes kind of have to to realize is just like a lot of the hype and media you can't really let all that stuff goes and go into your head too much cuz at the end of the day it's like I feel like that's not really reality cuz when you do kind of step away from the spotlight or whatever, or let's just say you do stop hooping, you're just going to turn into another person, which is like really for me why I don't like identifying as a football player. Like people could tell I'm a football player by the way I look, but that probably wouldn't be the, one of the first things I'm going to come out here and even tell you that I play football. Cause like, I feel like I'm so much more than a football player that like, it'll be, it'll, it'll be wrong with myself to just identify as that. I'm, 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 I'm more than that. And like, I feel like a lot of, a lot of players kind of struggle identifying who they really are besides that besides with the basketball in their hand or a football in their hand because at some point in time that's going to be taken away you know all, all those dreams kind of they get they get piped down either you make it or you don't and you have to kind of face the harsh reality of like do you want to keep putting yourself through these harsh times to try to hopefully create an opportunity for yourself to go to go play your hoop dreams or whatever dreams you had of, of sports or do you want to just like be like, damn, it wasn't meant to be for me. 
Now it's time for me to, to, to face reality. I'm not going to the NFL. I'm not going to the NBA. Shit, what am I going to do with my life? I, I, I've been BSing in school the whole entire time because sports has been taking care of all my school. They've been paying for all that stuff. So I really haven't had to have the best grades because it's like as long as I'm performing on the court, nobody uh, really cares. No one really cares. So it's like, that's the main reason why I'm, I'm here in Lehigh in the first place. It's like, you have to wake up with smaller roses because at some point in time, you know, you're going to have to start taking care of yourself because once they're done using you for their purposes, it's going to be the next guy up. And there's, exactly. there's so many kids in this world that's like constantly being born. There's always going to be a replacement fit. You know how many kids are fighting to get a position to just come to the school I am right now? And the fact that I got chosen, I can say right now if I got hurt, probably the same week they would get a new player out here, you know, whether he's a grad student or an underclassman, whatever he may be. But it's like, you're that, you're, you're that easily replaceable in the system. So it's like, if you're not making sure you're getting the most out of what you're going into, I think you're kind of setting yourself up for failure and you have the wrong mindset going into it in the first place. Cause it's like, you're doing yourself a disservice. They're paying for your school. They're doing all this, you know, why not make the most of it? Like the same thing for kids, who are growing up right now and it kind of sucks that you can't profit off, off your name and likeness because it's like i remember the whole jelly fam movement they yeah. made a they made a whole crazy ton of cash off of that but they can't even collect they couldn't collect none of their royalties until like they decided to put the basketball down and become either a pro or just like retire like influencer or influence yeah. or something like that so it's like it kind of sucks but i think like that's like the main thing that sports doesn't prepare kids for it because like like you said not everybody can go to the nba or nfl and really from like 13 or for some people like since 10 growing up they're only doing shit to thinking that they're going to the nba or nfl so it's like they become and, and for a lot of people they don't even realize that it's not for them until it's too late until after their senior high school they pick up a juco offer to try and play and get into a D1 in college. And it's like, by then, like you said, you you haven't really been paying attention in class because your sports always got you through. And like, you was just always like, fuck school. Why I'm going to the NBA, I don't need school. So like, that's what really hurts a lot of people, I feel like. I have just one more question. Andre, you can ask any too. Um, At least about the sports part before we go into our second part of the pod. do you feel indebted to Lehigh at all for playing for them giving you a scholarship to play bat to play football here? Because I know personally, sometimes I'll and like it's kind of hard to balance, at least for me personally, because sometimes I'll feel indebted because I have an academic scholarship or whatever. And like it'll sometimes take away from me and my personal life as a student because. I'm putting so much pressure on myself to make sure I have good grades, make sure I'm doing ABCD to make sure that this opportunity isn't taken away from me. So how do you feel about, you know, the pressure? Do you put any pressure on yourself because you have a scholarship? I think I put pressure on myself, but I think I could definitely add more pressure to myself. I'm the type of person who kind of like, I don't want to say dodges pressure, but I just kind of like, reposition it and use it in a, in a different yeah. kind of, in a different way to motivate me, I guess you could say. Cause it's like, for me, I, I, I don't really see a purpose in like stressing and doing all that stuff. So I guess I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit more nonchalant in that, in that fashion. But I guess that kind of comes back and bite me in the ass sometimes. But 
for me, I, I just know it's more about like pr- producing on the field and making sure I'm, I'm staying up to par with my grades. And like, I know, I think I, I have a pretty good grasp of the concept of like what I need to do. Yeah. And I think the, the more you understand what you need to do and what, what's at stake, the easier it is for you to kind of be like, all right, I need to make sure I get these grades right. Or I, I need to, you, you kind of you set the standard for you, yourself because you like, you already know what's required of you to do. So it's like, if you know you have to keep like a, a 2.9 or, or a 3.0, to keep your G, to keep your 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 uh, scholarship or whatever, you're not gonna let yourself fall to that anything near that because it's like, well, why would you want to jeopardize that? Yeah. So it's like yeah. for me, one thing I think I kind of realized more, and I, I just kind of sit back and it's like realize it's like how grateful, you know, I I, I really am to be in this position because like the more I think about it, it's like my mom kind of made me realize this other day before I came up here. She was like, you have so many other friends you know, who's, who's dead in, in, in the graveyard right now, or you have friends who, who, who's in prison, you know, who just didn't, who just didn't make it out. And, you know, and she was like, what, look, look what happened to all your friends. And she was like, look what happened to you. You was, and she was like, you was probably like one of the worst, you was worse than some of the guys who got killed, who was in prison at the time. And like, somehow you got a full ride to go, to go to a private boarding school that costs the same as it would to go to a, a private college. It was like 72, 73K to go there for a year at my high school and then come back to go to actual college. They give me a full ride. And so it's like, she just kind of, she, she helps me put a lot of things in perspective. It's like, you just gotta kind of just stay humble. Yeah. Cause you know, like, even though life could be throwing a million things at you all at once, you have to realize that those small little steps and in, in, in progressions that you are making they, they do indeed exist and like you're, you're actually working towards something I guess you can say it's not like you're just doing everything for no reason it's like I know sometimes it's kind of hard to see the the bigger picture and it's like yeah oh this shit sucks practice sucks I don't have no free time but at the same time you gotta you got understand you're the vision one college athlete like you, you're getting to do something you're getting an experience that most people could only dream for like yeah for real one thing I say to myself whenever I'm training or something yeah, I'm not a D1 athlete, but I always say to myself, like, you got arms, you got, like, this athleticism that a lot of people don't have. So, like, even on the most basic level, like, if, if you're not a D1 athlete or you don't even play football or you don't play basketball or one of, like, the, the big-time sports, it's always important to look at the fact that you have the ability to do this because there's millions of people that don't, whether they're disabled or they don't, they don't even have the mental strength to be like, yeah, I'm going to go outside and run. So I always, I always thank the universe, not only for my ability, but also for my brain and like for it having the ability to push me to be better and me have those thoughts in the first place and me surround myself with motivational things because a lot of people don't even take the time to do that or they don't, they didn't grow up in an environment that makes them strive to be better. A lot yeah. of people grow up in an environment where just being mediocre in a sense is okay which is perfectly fine for some people, but that's why I'm thankful that I have the mind state to be better than the rest or to try to be the best at whatever I do. Yeah, that, that's facts. Cause like what our, our roommate, because he's my roommate this time, but our roommate, he was like at work with somebody and they was like, yeah, I've accepted that. I'm gonna just be working for my, the rest of my, he works at Amazon. And they was like, I've accepted that I'm gonna just be working for the rest of my life. And this is my life. And, 
it was almost kind of sad, like the way he was explaining it, because this person was basically just accepting that they was just a part of the machine, that they they themselves had no real significance. They were just a screw in this big machine of Amazon, this big machine we call life. And it's like, I look at myself and I'm like, sometimes when I, especially when I find myself feeling bad for myself or uh, going around in pity for myself, right? I'll be like, one, like, like you said, Nash, there's so many of my friends that are either dead or, or even the ones that are in jail or even if they're just at home not doing nothing. But even if you take it, like you said, on a more basic level, even if you're not in college, you're not doing that. There's so many, you're in a better off position because you could be in jail. Now let's take it to jail. You're in a better off position because you could be dead. So never think that you're just rock bottom. Never think that you're in the, the worst possible position. Don't go around pitying for yourself because as soon as you realize that you could be in a worse position, that will be the fire that gets you to want to get in a better position. I feel like a lot of people go around and since they pity themselves, they don't realize that they have control for the most part. Now, some people don't have any control of their position in life, and that's just sad. But at least here in America, for the most part, you have control of where you stand in this life. Because whether you're black, white, Asian, whatever, this motherfucker runs on one color, and that's green. So as long as you can figure out how to get money and you got money, it doesn't matter. So you can change your position whenever. And that's a beautiful, that's one, that's the beautiful thing about America. Because unlike a lot of these other countries, you can literally change where you're at. Now it might be hard, especially if you're coming from the lower le- levels of society and everybody you're around is on this low vibration and they don't really understand how the game works. But as soon as you figure out how the game works, the world is your oyster. You can do anything. Facts. That's facts. But um, so you've been saying that football is just a little tiny thing of the person you are. I would like you to go more in depth about who or who are you as a person. Uh, if anything, I would identify myself more as like an entrepreneur. Cause I do with everything I do, I feel like it's just used as a stepping stone to get to the next like process. Like I don't know why, but with everything I've done in my life, it's always been with a, a business minded approach. Like even like going to college and all that stuff, it's like what can I get out of this? You know, it's like there's, there's all I feel like there's always like a, a two two sided deal with with everything I kind of do. There's it's like always duality to life. Facts. I feel yeah. like you're gonna benefit something, but if I'm not benefiting from it at the same time, I'm not. I'm probably not gonna do it. So for me, I, I, like I said, I see myself more as an entrepreneur. So I, I kind of focus more on like my personal finances and just kind of ways I, I can build passive income. So I, I learned early pretty much how important it is to, to be financially stable and financially free one. And it's like, just being able to kind of like see all these different avenues that you can take to, to be successful, like, and, and, and being, being given the opportunity to like, to compare my life like, you know, or like the life that we live right now compared to like some of the craziest lives of people that I know around the world. Like I, I got the chance to meet a couple of billionaires, millionaires and like princess and princesses and stuff like that. And like, I just did some crazy things. So I kind of just put all that thing, all that stuff into context. And I just kind of see ways I could kind of benefit myself more. And the things I kind of see 
that just keeps coming back around more and more and more and more. It's just this networking thing. So it's like, I try to produce as much money as I can based off my own talent. So it's like what I do off the stock market and all that stuff, you, you get me. And like, I, I personally understand that for myself, but I think the real business kind of comes in and like helping out the everyday common Joe figure that out and like, you know, make some money out of that, you know, because that's, that's, that's where it's really at for me. Because if you want to talk about financial freedom, you know, and, and liberation, that's where you got to start out the, the people who actually need it most. It's like, you're not going to go to the richest person in the world and be like, I can show you how to make more money. Like, all right, that'd be good for that person. Don't get me wrong. Cause the more money you have, the easier it is to make more money. But at the same time, you're not really helping him separate or change his life. I, I think for me personally, from the people I've helped, like, like gain financial freedom and whatnot. Like, I think it feels a lot better to me helping those people out than it would helping somebody else who are, who's already established, who already has the cash. So for me, what I kind of see with my business or whatever, is kind of just like a hedge fund type investment portfolio just based for people who actually need it, like the, the lower income individuals in this the whole mission statement or whole goal of this business or company is just to kind of like to bridge the financial gap between the higher income and the super low income individual. Because it's like, there's a gap that's there that a lot of people don't really understand that like, it could really be closed just by doing a, a few simple steps. It's like, because in, investing in personal finances, if you don't understand how to do that yourself, which something that everyone should kind of like reach out and try to find out ways to, to, to learn more things about, but you can't do it yourself. You can always get somebody else to do it for you. You know, it's like, it, there's, there's a saying, it's like, there's no point of doing something yourself where you could pay someone else to do it for you. And like that, that really does, it, it does work out because it's like, if you don't know how to do it, at least go find someone who generally wants to help you out and do it. And that's kind of like where I'm, where I'm coming from right now. Like I'm kind of test running it with more of like my family and like close family friends. And I've been, help, I've been able to help a couple of people and like, you know, it, it's been pretty cool, but I, I just think that like, you know, when I do end up getting my finance degree and all that stuff, it's going to be able to, to go to a, a, a way bigger platform because I'm going to be able to have the track record, hopefully, to yeah. kind of back it up as far as like, all right, I know this, most of this stuff was kind of done underneath the books, but here's an example of what I could do with your investment portfolio. I could take it from this amount and turn it to this amount in, in only a couple months or, or a year worth of investing. And like, I just think that the, the money that they'll be able to get back and the, the information and all that they'll be able to get from that from the game would be like something that's... It, 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 you so, can't put a price on it. You can't put a price on it. So for, for the listeners and for Andre, for those of y'all who don't know what he's talking about, I want you to just go on this a little more. What exactly do you do in the stock market? How have you created financial freedom for not only yourself, but for other people around you? And like, how successful have you been? In? Uh, all right. So essentially what I do in the stock market is, it, 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 we look back at it with logistics, it, it's, it's pretty simple because all I do is I try to replicate what a lot of these different hedge funds do. And like what they basically do is they make the best decision, the best informed decision they can out of the information that they already know. So it's like, I try to find out all the pertinent information that's that's regarding the stock or whatever, whatever it may be that I'm, I'm investing in. So certain things that's gonna cause, that's gonna cause it to shift the price of that stock or whatever commodity to shift whether in the upward or downward direction 
and kind of how I just go about paying it out is uh, I I basically this is basically simple investing. I just chart out major support and resistances, right? And then based on the based on the events that's taking place in the everyday market, I tie that in with uh, with with some options, and I I just kind of like go with the with the flow of what the market is kind of giving me. If like the, if the market's in a in a downturn, how I would do it is like I would use every single major resistance as a as a position to short. So every single time the stock would be would would would, would if, if we're if we're in a downturning market, right, where, where everything is going down, if the stock starts to show signs of an uptrend in a downwards market, I know that's not gonna last long because the overall market is still going down. So even though it's trying to fight the overall direction, it's gonna sooner or later get taken over by the current because it's gonna be too much. So I, I just kind of do I try to do that and I, I put I buy different options where it might be calls, puts, covered calls, covered puts, and all that stuff. And I can go into more details about that too. But I just like for the average listeners, like for people who understand what that is, I think that's really where the, where the name of the game is: is investing in options. Because if you know what you're doing with the options, it, it really could be more safe than investing even with stocks. Because you you can just kind of cover yourself like more from like uh, I guess you could say. Unforeseeable losses and, and whatnot, but yeah. I, as far as success, uh, uh, so far I've done about five different small accounts besides mine. Uh, I've been able to take the, the smallest account I took. I took that account, um, which was actually I took that account from five hundred dollars and turned that one to about twenty five k, twenty five to thirty k. And that, that was actually pretty crazy, but just due to the heat of the market at that time, what was going on is just kind of like, I just kind of went with the flow. And as far as like my account, personally, I, I was able to take um, take my account from four figures, just, you know, like a couple thousand dollars and, and turn that to six figures. And that's, and that's talking about less than six months of, it, of, of investing. Like realistically, that took me a day to make the six figures. I, I made about a, yeah, I made six figures in one day. That's the most I ever made. Now it's off of shorting Carvana. And like, I just bought a whole bunch of puts on Carvana just because of one, the company was terribly ran and like they're criminals. And two, they're like the, the, the charts was just saying that it was going to pull back. And I just kind of followed my gut and it paid off. That's yeah. beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to hear that. But um, oh, go ahead. nah, I, you can go ahead. I ain't really asked nothing to say. Oh, but um, I was just gonna ask, like, what advice would you give to people who are trying to who are trying to navigate through life and don't necessarily know what to do? They might have some money to be able to invest right now, but. They're not really in college and they're just like really going through the motion because they don't know what to do. What advice would you give them as far as how to secure your own financial freedom? So instead of doing what you have to do to survive, you can start doing what you want to do to live. I would say the biggest thing you can do for yourself at that stage is make a decision. Um, everything in life realistically starts with a decision. If, if, if you make your mind that you're going to read every single book possible 
about personal finances, passive income, protecting yourself, you know, risk management, and all all of these different uh, different attributes that that kind of accompanies uh, personal finances. Then I think you would sooner than later be be successful because even though you're you're, you're going to stumble and fall in the beginning, but this is how it is when you start learning anything new. That overall, in a longer term picture of it, you're you're going to be better off. And like the thing about it is like it's going to be a struggle to learn some of these different uh, idealistics and uh, whatnot. But once you kind of get it down and like you start to get a feel for it, where it's like, Oh, so this is what he means, or this is what this, this person is talking about. Cause the thing about the stock market is you can always take what you're learning and apply it to what you're actually trading and whatnot. So it's like, once you kind of, once you can kind of get to be that point where what you're reading and learning about is translating to what you're actually doing. I think that's when you're going to start seeing the, the, the biggest shifts and how much you're making because it becomes more like a game. It's like, all right, the market, it, it does this. You can kind of go off of what it does and like past, past events doesn't always determine future, future results. Don't get me wrong. But at the same time, you can always just kind of use that as a kind of like a, as a meter to kind of go off of. And I think once you make a decision, you're like, all right, I want to make a change for myself. I want to stop, you know, being a part of this this rat place, this rat race, you know, unconsciously, whether you know it or not, working a nine to five. And no, no, this is not to hate on anyone working nine to fives. My both my parents work nine to fives to this day. I I haven't been able to fortunate enough to, to to retire them yet, but that's in the works. But to people who work nine to fives, this is not no slander to you. I'm just saying that's just not the lifestyle that you probably see for yourself. If you really want to be able to live life lavishly and you know go on vacations, take time off with your family and just enjoy the, the true perks of life instead of having to work 24 seven or just wait until you're about 60, 70 years old to retire, then the best way to do that is to basically get your personal finances in order. And the only way to do that is to start learning. And like, until you kind of like make the decision and like, all right, I'm sick and tired of, of, of not having my finances in order and you want to make a decision, you'll start doing it. Cause you, you'll, you'll probably go see somebody and you'll probably get a plan set up for you where you're, where if you were saving $100 per month, you probably start saving $300, $400 per month. So now you're saving two, $300 extra per month. And at, even though at first it might kind of hurt you, like, damn, I feel like I'm kind of living tight right now. After a while, you're going to start getting comfortable with, li with living underneath that, like that lower cap. You're going to have more money going to your savings, which is more money you can make because your cash, it doesn't grow on a, like on a, on a on a, a line that's kind of like yeah. this straight like this it grows it, exponentially it grows exponentially so people think that like sometimes their, their cash is going to grow on a, on a linear curve it, it doesn't just grow linear like that like i said earlier the more money you have the easier it is to make more money so it's like for some people who don't have the bigger accounts if you don't know exactly what you're doing i would suggest if you trade your cash in a in a in a simulator or you go find someone who knows how to do it for you and then you just kind of go from there because it's, it's pretty much, it's a, it's a learning process like anything else you do in life. Nice. Yeah. That's that, look, like learning's hard, but being broke is harder. You, harder. you can choose your, your hard. Which hard do you want? You want right. to go through this life having to work a nine to five, four, five, six days a week? Or you want to put the time in right now, take a couple months to learn to where you won't have to work anymore after five, six years. You know, it's really up to you. Yeah. And look, I forgot what I was going to say, but. I think I said this last pod, like whenever I'm, 
whenever I'm doing something that's like hard for me, especially when it's something that I feel like is gonna go towards my end career, I always, I always, I mean, I always tell myself like this hour of pain or this 15 minutes of pain or these few seconds of pain is way easier than a nine to five. Cause I know how it feels to wake up in the morning and go go to work at McDonald's for eight hours. That was, that's like the worst thing I could possibly do in my life. And if I had, to, I told myself, I think I was, I don't know if I was 16 or 17 when I worked at McDonald's, but I told myself, I was like, if I have to do this every day for the rest of my life, like I'm gonna kill myself. So it really, that kind of pushed me to like, I, I can't do this. So I got to figure out something else. And it, and that's always in the back of my mind is like, I can't go back to McDonald's and I can't work anywhere else where somebody is just telling me what to do for eight hours or nine hours or whatever it is. Yeah, that's facts. And I feel like a lot of people feel that same way. It's just, they don't know what to do. They're just stuck at that place where they're kind of floating around, unsure what to do, but they just know they don't want to do that. Yeah. And you know, it's like, first is make the decision, second is get financial freedom, and third is create generational wealth. Because as soon as, like you said, as soon as you got money, it takes money to make money. The more money you got, the easier it is to make money. So as soon as you're the first one in your family to break that curse, and you just smart with your finances, smart with how your investments are, you can break that curse for generations. 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 And, and also, oh, go ahead. I was in, this is kind of, it's not unrelated, but it was kind of add on to your point about like people don't know what to do. I think one of the main components and a lot of people don't talk about it. And I feel like a, a lot of young people deny it. It's a lot about who you surround yourself with because who you surround yourself with is who's going to motivate you. Like if I had, I don't know your name, but if I had him next to me, oh, I would have had a stock. I would have had everything. I would have been rich by now. But since I'm surrounded by, not people that are bad, but people that just aren't, they're just focused on different things. I go off in their direction, which isn't necessarily bad. It's just, like I said, it's just different, but luckily they're good people, but a lot of people are surrounded by bad people. So it's like, it's impossible pretty much, especially if you're not watching videos or you're not like using external things to motivate you. It's like almost impossible to just rely on your own will when you're hanging out with people that are doing BS 24 seven. Yeah. Like if you don't hang around hard workers or people who see something for their lives, like what are you getting from hanging out with the people you're hanging out with? You're not really getting anything other than like maybe some temporary satisfaction when y'all hang out. But it's like the older you get, the harder it is to hang out with people you don't have things in common with because it will just, it will either become a time conflict or y'all just be clashing y'all figure out y'all don't see eye to eye on a lot of issues so like like you said it's really about who you surround yourself with by because if I surround myself I'm a dog so if I'm beside another dog and we competing with each other both of us are also always going to be getting exponentially better rather than if I just surround myself with some people who don't really care like we're all good where we're at we're fine where we're at we're not going to be growing as much because we're comfortable with the situation and the place where we're at in society right yeah i feel like even it it, kind of goes back down to like even if you don't have the same mindset or want the same things like i feel like if you just say that you kind of like muddy lines a little bit too much because like to say that you're gonna have something in common with everybody that you run into is is a lot 
You know, I feel like you could have different things in common and you guys can have different things that you, you find personal interest in. It's just like, are you constantly motivated to reach the next level? That's like, that's where the line is kind of drawn. Like, that's the like, mindset. If, yeah. if, if you're not trying to elevate yourself from where you at today, tomorrow, next week, or a week that passed, then you're not currently trying to get better. And that's that's where it kind of gets gets to the point where, like, if you're not getting better, then you're getting worse. It's like you're, you're doing nothing and, like, you're just kind of letting time waste your whole body. And it's like, why are you doing that when you could be doing you know, people say you could try to get 1% better every day. And it's like, my coach always said, it's, it's kind of hard to get that 1% every single day, but you can always find something to get at least a little bit of that percentage, you know, to, to get better. So, but if you're not doing that, you just keep doing things. Because like I said, it's, it's, it's sometimes it's, it's hard to see the bigger picture. So when, you, when you're going down that wrong path and you're doing whatever it is you're doing with those people that you're doing it with, you're not going to realize off the bat, like, damn, I'm doing something wrong. Like, or, or it might just hit you. You might, you might find yourself in a position where you'd be like, what the fuck am I doing here? You know, there's, there's been a certain amount of time where it's like, I get caught up in certain situations. It's like, how? I, what, what am I? Like, like, like I never, in, my, in, in all my years growing up, I never thought that, like, I would actually be get, getting caught up in this, like, right now. Like, it's because... People yeah. like get caught up in going with the flow, but hindsight is twenty twenty. Yeah. Like <laughs> after the fact, you'll realize, yeah, I shouldn't have never been doing that. And yeah. I think about all those times that you've done some stupid shit, and you're like, I had no idea why I did that. Like yeah. hindsight is twenty twenty. You realize automatically that you made the wrong decision. But a lot of people, they just like to go to the through with the flow, and they have a hard time like really living in the moment and taking control of their lives and realizing that, no, what I'm doing is wrong. I'm going down the wrong path. And also like, I remember in, in high school or middle school, we would have to write like reflection papers or like reflective like essays or whatever. And at the time they seemed like such a drag, shout out to Shikamaru. They seemed like such a drag. And like, now that I think back, I'm like, taking time to reflect on all the things that you've done, whether it's just in that day or the month or the week, is so beneficial. It's so helpful to, to not only motivate you, but to just see what you're doing wrong. A lot of people live such quote-unquote fast-paced life that they don't think they have the time to just sit back and be like, did I do this right? Let me examine what I did. Instead, they're just like, no, I just got to keep going forward, keep going forward. But if you never think about the past, you're just going to stay on the same track until eventually you just, you end up getting stuck or, you know, you die or whatever. You can't but, really, oh, go ahead, finish. But I was gonna say like, I forgot what I was gonna say, I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say that you can't really evaluate your growth unless you're looking back and reflecting on the person you were. Or, or your downfalls neither. You can't acknowledge your downfalls neither if you don't look back. Yeah, a lot of people, they like to look at the next verse somebody else or the next best person and that's their comparison but they don't realize there's always going to be a next best person so you could have gotten better than your next best person 20 persons ago but since you're not looking back and reflecting on the growth you're making and the person you're becoming you don't realize that you've grown at all because you're not taking the time to reflect and look back and i remember what i was going to say earlier when you were talking about like the nine to five thing I was going to just say, like, 
you can do that with everything. Like you can sit there and work out and be like, oh, this sucks. I really don't feel like it. My body hurts or whatever. Or you can like just push through it, realize that that suffering, that pain is only for the moment. And then some months, some weeks down the line or whatever, you're going to feel physical changes in your body. You're going to see physical changes. You're going to feel stronger, all this and that. So it's really what you do. Like I was at the skate park and I just wasn't landing nothing like at all. I just kept falling off my shit. I was like, man, I kind of want to leave because I just feel like this is just not a skating day. for me. But then I realized I was like, well, if I leave and just come back tomorrow, it's not like I'm going to magically just be landing all these tricks all of a sudden. I have to stay here and go through this bullshit and go through the work if I ever want to improve. I remember the first time I, I came back out here and fought at the gym, I almost threw up. Not only did I get punched in the face like a couple times pretty hard, but I almost threw up because I was so tired. And then I was running. And every time I run, I always tell myself like, do you want to keep getting punched in the face because you're tired? It's not like, I mean, he was better than me. But it's not like he was that much better than me. Like, I could have not got hit. But I was getting hit because I was so tired. And I was like, like, I literally told him, I was like, dude, like, I need a break. So I, every time I run, I tell myself, like, do you really want to be this tired to where, you getting, to where you're getting beat up just because you don't want to put in a few extra minutes or a few extra laps or whatever? So I definitely get what you're saying by that. Yeah. I still can't remember what I was going to say. God. That makes so much sense. Because it's like what we talked about. It might have been last pod. You're – you're never going to stay stagnant. You're always progressing towards something. So whether it's progressing towards being better or worse, you're becoming another person. You're progressing towards something. So if you're constantly working out, bettering yourself and all that, then you're progressing towards being a stronger person, a more physically active person. But if you feel like that you're straight with where you're at, you're comfortable where you're at, and then you're like, yeah, I'm not going to do no push-ups. I'm not going to work out. I'm not going to run you're progressing towards a worse person now because once you try and do that shit again, now you're out of shape. Now you weak. You can't lift up a 20-pound dumbbell and you had a worse position off than you were five months ago when you were comfortable with where you were at. I just think it's just... The biggest part of that is just like... It's 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 never getting too too comfortable. It's that, that's, that's so much easier said than done. You know, it's like... You, you, you like to think about it like a, a action plan, you know, or what you could do to, to kind of get your life on the track that you, you think is probably the best for you, but no one's really going to end up getting up and, and doing anything to change their lives realistically until they, they once again make that decision and like not wait, you know, because it's like whatever it is that you, you're planning on doing, you most likely can start today or you, you could probably start some type of aspect of, of it today. So it's like if you could find a way to kind of just like get yourself going and even getting a little bit of it started today, you know, you're actually starting to work towards something. You just got, you, you just got that, that little smaller percentage better in that day just by getting your mindset right. You know? So it's like, you want, you want, you want to know those right things. And like, sometimes it does get overwhelming to kind of be like, damn, I know, I, I, I know I'm, I'm progressing. I, I know I'm doing good, but I'm not really seeing no results. Is this even really working? Like I know as a as an athlete, as a as as a businessman, as 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 anything in this life, you know, you're always gonna see setbacks. And I feel like things always get the most cloudy before this the this the sun finally shines. Cause I feel like you you probably see the most BS 
right before you have a, a major outbreak because like the BS that you're seeing is what you need to change. So it's like, that's the, that's the next evolution. That's you basically transcending yourself. So it's like, once you can overcome. Go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so once you can kind of get like what you need to, that, that next step and then like, once you kind of comprehend what it is, boom, you 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 got it. Cause like that's basically what's setting you back. And eventually you're you're gonna run into another roadblock, but you have so many past successes of you overcoming past roadblocks, you're gonna be like, you know what? I'm ready for it. You know, I, you, you're gonna be you're gonna be like, you know, I'm I'm ready to attack it. I can you're tell you right be now. Seeking out the roadblocks. You, you're gonna be seeking out the roadblocks. Exactly. It's, it's, you're gonna have the mindset that's like nothing in this world could, could stop me. Like I remember like personally for me. I got I got cut off I got cut off one of my basketball teams just because I wasn't in the, the, the best shape at the time. And like personally, that was like one of the best motivations I could ever have because I lost like probably 80 pounds after that coach cut me from that team. God, 80 pounds. How did you I, do that? I lost 80 pounds, fam. I lost 80 pounds. That shit was crazy. I lost 80 pounds and I came back. Huh? How big was you before you lost 80 pounds? I was like I was like 270, two, I was like 270. He like 6'6", six, six, though. Oh. Yeah, but at that time, I was like probably like, I was like 6'3", six, 6'2", six, so I wasn't really that tall. Yeah, so I was like 6'2", I was 6'2", type shit, and like, I was like 270, 260, and I had like a, a, a 46, 47 waistline, and like, I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable in my body and, and all that stuff, but like, I just got tired of people saying I was fat and all that stuff. So I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm going to make some change. And like every single time I wanted to quit and I was running, I was like, nah, I'm not going to quit because I know I want, I, I, I really, really want this. Like more than anything else, it's like, you know, you, you wake up in the you think about it, you dream about it, and then you actually kind of go out there and you do it. You look at yourself in the mirror, you're like, damn, okay, I can just take off all this fat and this. Throw it in the trash or just be like, you know, this. Donate to somebody who like give it give it to a skinny bitch who needs some titties. <laughs> or, 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 or that's, you know, just like donate that shit. Like that's literally me. Yeah. I'm on a diet right now. And then like I'm every time I look in the mirror, because you don't really notice the progress like day by day, but you always look in the mirror like, bro, especially when you eat good the night before, like you have a light dinner, you wake up thinking you're gonna be skinny, and then you just look exactly the same. Exactly the same. I, but I heard this quote today, right? And it, and it kind of relates to what we're saying. He was like, I hope I can explain it the right way, but it's kind of hard. He was like, Excel no, he was like, velocity is slow. It doesn't matter. But acceleration matters. That's what you notice. If you're on a plane, for example, and you're going 150 miles per hour, you don't feel like you're going 150 miles per hour, except for when you take off and when you're coming down. So the way he translated into like, you know, to his workout, because he's like an ultra marathon swimmer or something, whatever, like swim racer. And he was like, you don't really notice anything while you're in the middle of it. You only notice it after it's changed or after you change something. So if you're, the way he explained it was like, if you're swimming in the ocean, right? Even if you've been swimming for five hours and that was, your goal was five hours, you don't necessarily feel ecstatic about it until you reach the beach because that's a change in climate that's you accelerating onto the next phase of whatever you're doing and it's the same thing with working out it's the same thing with just life in general 
while you're stuck in it, you don't really notice it. You don't really get to reflect on it. You don't know what you're doing. And then once you notice change or once change happens to you and it's positive, that's when you become happy about it. That's when you get that kind of like euphoric feeling and you start to feel like all that hard work paid off. But while you're in the middle of it, you're like, why am I doing this? Like, why am I doing this to myself? Why yes. I, if you're trying that's to play, you're, why, am I, why am I starving myself? Like, I'm, I'm a human. I should be eating. I should, I should love what I eat. But then you look in the mirror a month later and then you look at pictures from, from when you first started and you're like, wow, like I'm so happy I did that to myself, even though it was super hard at the time because now I noticed the change. Yes, like you don't necessarily, you don't feel your past struggles in the present moment. So as soon as you get through those struggles, you're home free. That's why like when I look at my past life and at least, or not my past life, but my past, right? And I examined the situation I was in. I never wished that I was in a better situation, whether it be financially, that's in a better community or whatever. Be, because all those struggles that I went through to get here, I'm glad I went through them because I'm finally out that other side. The velocity, looking back, it was nothing now. During the time, it was trash. It was damn near probably like hell on earth. But now that I made it through all that shit, right, it, it's like... You, you kind of forget that all those things that happened was bullshit. You just appreciate that it happened and you're mm -hmm. glad that it happened. Yeah. And like, as far as working out, for me, like if I work out a lot for a while and then I stop working out for maybe a week or two, I will start to feel foreign in my body. Like I'll, I'll start to feel like I don't even belong in my body. Like my muscles will start to get mushy and weak and stuff. And I feel like, I'm not even supposed to be in this vehicle. So like, I don't even know. That's like, it's weird as fuck. So it would make me start having to wake up, work out again. But I was looking at old pictures of myself when I was in like, when I was like a junior. Cause right now, like I'm in the process of trying to get down to like 155. And at that time I was like 148 or something. And I was looking at myself and I was like, wow, I was so skinny back then. And then when I go look at myself now, I'm like, bro, I'm so fat. And like, I like grab like the stomach, you know, how you can grab like the stomach fat and you'd be like, bro, like, where did this come from? Like, get off of me. And then you grab your arms and then it's just like this jiggling. You're like, bro, like, how did this happen? And then, you know, bro, your, your body, I mean, your arm is like the size of my calf or like my quad. <laughs> <laughs> bro, for real, that, uh, man, uh -oh. let me see yours, Tommy. I got no guns. Nah, this is my left. Let me show y'all my right. Yes, sir. That's up there. That's up there. But um, before we get up off here, I just want to ask you: Do you have any more hobbies you didn't tell us about? Things you like doing? You know, the thing people don't don't understand is this kind of skating thing. I I've been doing this skating thing for a long ass time. It was like. Skateboarding, like, I, skateboarding? I, it's, more, it's more longboarding for me. I, I kind of transitioned out of the skateboarding. Really. No, I'm just no, no, no. I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here. It's it's something about it. It's like it's it's kind of like serene. We, we just like being on a, on a longboard on some like some nice pavement or whatever. It's like cruising. You just feel like everything is just kind of going going fast. You're like it sucks when you ride a skateboard because like the roads, oh, some God. of the wheels were made for like the. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like you have to put in so much more effort. You just try to like, 
if you're just trying to vibe, like going down a hill on a skateboard. Yeah, yeah. If you're on a longboard and even you just like cruising throughout the city, that's that's the one thing I kind of really enjoyed. It's just like I don't know, just doing things like that, going paintballing, uh, riding go driving go karts. That uh, that's a big thing I do in Florida. That's pretty fun. I don't know. I I guess you could say, well, <laughs> wow, man, this shit is fat. <laughs> but that's beside the point. What I like to say is find stress relievers for yourself and find ways for you to decompress because, you know, life is going to hit you with a million things that all at once and just try to deal with one of, the, of those million things at a time. Facts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we got a bunch of different... This pod is one of our de-stressors, you know, at least mine. But you always got to have different kinds of de-stressors to de-stress from the last de-stressor. And, like, you know... That was just said beautifully. I don't even got nothing else to add. I would say you would say I ain't got nothing to say. Just silence. (laughs) (laughs) How good it was. You know, Uh, sometimes a wise man once said nothing at all. That's facts. Um, so you do you make music at all? Oh yeah, yeah. (laughs) that's another one of my stress relievers. Music is, I, I suck at making music, bro. I don't know how yeah. to do it. I got in the studio, I was like, bro, I'm not built for this at all. Nah, I, I, I feel you on that. But the thing about it for me is like, I'm the type of person that like, I want to do something. And it's like, people think I'm I'm, I'm BSing. Cause it's like, once I say I'm going to do something, I, I actually get to work and I actually do it. So it's like, it's not just with the, with the rapping thing, but kind of one of the main reasons why I kind of like started like, I guess you could say became a rapper or whatever, is because my friend was like, you're not gonna, you're not gonna do it. Cause I was like, bro, I have, I'm, I'm make a, I wanna drop an album when I come back home. At first I was just, I was BSing. He was like, you're not gonna drop no album. I'm like, bro, you trying to test me right now? <laughs> so I went back home. <laughs> I probably wrote like 30 songs, like in a span of like two and a half weeks or whatnot. And then like, I recorded like probably 10 of those songs and like now I have like a whole little album of EP type shit ready to come out in August when I get back home. <laughs> so it's like, yes, but I was the same way. I was like, somebody told me they was like, bro, you're not gonna get in the studio. So I went home. I researched. I was like, how to rap, how to sing, how to write songs. <laughs> bro, I went there. I was ready putting the work. I was dead serious. We rented it out for like four hours. Bro, the first thirty minutes I gave up because I was like, bro, like. I ain't got the voice for it. I can't catch the beat. I can't. <laughs> I, like, I even, I put on a song that I already knew the lyrics to. Try to sing on beat to that. Didn't sing on beat to that. So I was like, bro, like it. <laughs> I remember Kushina, Kushina, Naruto's mom was like, everybody has strengths and weaknesses. Remember that. So I, re- I, I know rapping and music is a weakness for me. I have strengths, but that's not one of them. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like uh, the type of music that I put out, in a sense, is like I, I, I did it for myself, in a sense. It's like I, I put out things that I felt like I would resonate more with. Like cause I, I have songs. I have I have this one song called like "Gotta Know." And it's like it has it, it realistically has nothing to do with like no street life, anything. It's like it's probably like one of the most realistic like songs. Like it's, I guess you could say I, I probably I probably ever made just because like so many people could kind of relate with it. But like, I made that song for me. Like, I, I, I wrote that song already. And like, I just kept singing it. And I was like, 
I want to hear the final product. I don't want to just yeah. keep singing in my head. Like, I want to hear the song. It's like, it's like I don't care what the viewers are gonna say about it. Like, they might be like, why, why did he, why did he make this song? It sounds nothing like any of his other songs. But for me, like personally, I like when I was writing that song, I feel like that was probably the most emotion I ever had putting into a song because like I was talking about something that, like I just I felt like it was a sensitive topic in a sense. Yeah. So it's like oh, no. I'm gonna be honest with you. Damn near most of the songs I make and write and shit, especially I, the beats I find. I'm I've been like, this this man. He, he's been he's been saying a couple of songs. Not, not to cut you off here, but nah, he, he's been saying these like I want to say these three or four songs since I met this man last semester. I met this man like last spring semester, like on a bus ride type stuff. And like he, ever since I met him, he he, he showed me this rap this one time, and like he. He's been saying, uh, I can tell he he low-key wants to put it in in an actual song, and like once you once you do it, it's gonna be like a a a, a stress to relieve. Yeah, because it's like what you doing. I think this shit's fire. Fire as hell. That's what I'm saying. So like, I I don't even care about if other motherfuckers think it's fire, even though like for the most part, everybody I show it to, they're like, that's just fire. You need to record it. But like, I just want to make it so I can listen to it. Literally. Oh, and I try to do the same thing. Like, I, and I'm sure yours is gonna be fire and great, but just from me, cause I I got a story for that too. You know, I was like, I, I listened to this beat, and I wrote to it and everything. I t- I was timing the beat, timing the the beat drop and everything, and then, you know, I wrote it down. It was stuck in my head. Yada yada yada. Went to the studio, tried to record it, and I recorded it decently. And then I listened to it and I was like, wow, like, I know I did this for myself and to make me happy, but this, this is honestly trash and it's making me mad. I could have been doing something way better than my time, but at least, at least you're right. At least I got to like, know that I was trash at it. At, it. Yeah, so at least, you know, you feel like, at least you know, that's not really for you, but like there's, <laughs> there's that. And also there's also like, you know, in life with everything you do, you're gonna need some checks and balances. You're gonna need people to be like, that's not him, you know, like yeah. and like the, the sooner off someone tells you that's not him, the better off you really are. Cause it's like if that's not him, that's not him. You feel me? Like, but I don't know, I feel like personally for me, I'm not I'm not a I'm not the world's greatest rapper or anything. Like my flow is definitely different from anybody else's shit. I'm not trying to be on here like hit you with a million things all at once, but it's just like I just feel like I, I could personally resonate with that. As long as I feel like I can rock with it. I yeah. feel like I was I feel that. It's de- but it's a problem when you can't rock with it. So, but, but, um, yeah, if y'all don't got any more, y'all got any closing words or anything for the viewers, anybody listening? I got the final quote whenever we're ready. Well, all right, he wants to say it before we leave. So, you, you got any last words? Nah, I just want to say I appreciate you guys having me out here. It's been a long time coming. <laughs> no, for real. We've been trying to shoot this shit for like the last week. Yeah, we have <laughs> but what you said? Well, what you said? I appreciate you for being on here. Oh yeah, yeah. That's we definitely nice. appreciate you for uh for taking your time out of your day and coming on our platform. I'm sure that our viewers love to hear the things you have to say. You'll probably definitely be getting back on soon. Um, but we're just thanks. When the album drop, we definitely got to get you back on here. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, this is who I'm about to spend most of my summer with. So y'all might just see him in 
pop from time to time just chiming in or whatever but um yeah yeah you you said you had a final quote yeah the final quote is if one learns to love he must bear the risk of hatred oh <laughs> hey that was that was from madara uchiha peace <laughs> hey.